What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Uncommon Drive Podcast with Jeff Cross and Chad Ozy. Join us as we look at life, leadership, and legacy through the lens of sports officiating. Let's do it. And welcome back to another episode of the Uncommon Drive Podcast with Jeff Cross and Chad Ozy. We are excited to be with you today. And we have just been talking about Jeff's favorite topic off the air. We've been talking about Christmas, and I know you all are so excited to hear more about that between now and then. We specifically have been talking about how many days in a row Jeff is going to wear ugly Christmas sweaters leading up to Christmas. Now, for those of you that um, are familiar with Jeff, you know that the week of Christmas, Mm. Jeff tries to get the entire crew to show up to the game in ugly Christmas sweaters. Is yes, that correct, Jeff? That is affirmative. Okay. What are the percentage of officials that you work with who choose not to participate in your ugly Christmasness? <laughs> I feel like you're being facetious there. I don't know. I would say the percentage that don't participate yep. is small. Yeah. So, like, are we talking like ten percent, twenty five percent? So, yeah, like, in, in, you know, the week before Christmas, let's say, say I have, you know, three games or four games. So you're talking about three, six, nine, twelve people, maybe. Yep. Um, yeah, two people, two or three people that may, either they don't participate because they don't have an ugly Christmas sweater, mm. or whatever they're traveling and they've already left for the, you know, for their their trips. And they didn't get a chance to get their early Christmas weather. Or at least so, that's the excuse they're giving you is what you're telling me. That's what they're telling me, right? And I tend to believe it. Now, I've gone to links to where I bring multiple Christmas sweaters. So somebody else can have one? I'm like, here, go ahead and put it on. Let's get a picture real quick. Just takes 30 seconds. <laughs> so so here, here is our uncommon plan for Jeff's Christmas this year. I am trying to apply positive peer pressure to Jeff mm. for him to expand to the 25 days Mm. of Christmas sweaters. So that starting on December 1st, his games, he wears the ugly Christmas sweaters to the games and and encourages his crew to do that. So if you think that's something that should happen, (laughs) I want you to send an email to uncommondrivepodcast at gmail.com. While you're doing that, uh, let us know what you think of the podcast. Let us know how we can be a help to you. And uh, be sure and check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever you listen to us on, and leave us a rating and review. Right. All right. After Wait, all that big no, no. introduction. I have a prediction. Oh, a prediction. I Go have for a prediction. It. Anybody who emails and says that, yes, I should do it, they are already going to know they're not on my schedule. <laughs> <laughs> so anybody that says don't do it they're gonna know no i have a game with cross in the month of december so we're not doing it so that's good yeah. I, I think what we'll need to do jeff <clears throat> we'll need to pick one date okay one date that week where we try to encourage 
everybody who oh. officiates basketball mm. that listens to the Uncommon Drive podcast yeah. to get their crew to wear ugly Christmas sweater, get a picture of their crew, send it in, yeah. and uh, and and we'll do something fun with that. Yeah. I think that'd be kind of cool if we, we could do an Uncommon Christmas sweater day. That would be awesome. We can make it a new holiday. <laughs> Now, now we've stepped too far. Well, you now know, we've just gone too far. No, well, my, my, I'm sure you saw on my social media. Yes, your eggnog day. Eggnog yes. day. Is that just killer or what? I don't even like eggnog. But the fact that we have eggnog day is so cool to me. So October 31st is not Halloween. It is eggnog day. So. That's good. Now, is this adult eggnog or is this buy it at Kroger eggnog? No, it's buy it at Kroger eggnog. Oh, okay, all right. What happens after it comes out of the glass is beyond my control. <laughs> I can't I can't tell you what, what the... You know what they're doing with it. But I saw I, your mother-in-law was very anxious to get her drink, so I thought maybe it was adult eggnog. Listen, she might have. You know, listen, you know, she's eighty-eight. She didn't make it eighty-eight by living, you know, the stellar life. Sometimes so so clean. So oh. yeah, it's good stuff. I listen. I, I'll I should start my own Christmas podcast. As far as I'm concerned, there you go. I might get to what seven or eight people listen. That'd be about it. But you know. <laughs> I'm, I'm okay with it. So. Good stuff. Now, you may be sitting in your car on your uncommon drive to your next uh, to your next thing, whether it's work, family, heading to a game, heading to the gym to work out for our baseball officials out there, getting ready uh, for next season, all that kind of stuff. And you may be thinking, this is one of the most chaotic openings mm. to an Uncommon Drive podcast I have ever heard. And you would be correct. And there mm-hmm. might be a slight bit of intentionality about that. That's actually what we're talking about today. We're talking about chaos. Um, chaos happens mm. all time. And when uh, when we hear back from our, uh, our listeners about what is helpful, um, as they listen to the podcast, stuff about leadership is always uh, top of the line and communication. Those are those are two really key things that, that come. And I believe those two things are very closely tied together. Mm-hmm. I, I believe it's very hard to be a good leader without being a good communicator. Oh, yeah. And I believe that to be a good communicator, you have to be displaying leadership skills <clears throat> uh, in, in order to do that much of the time. And so um, we know that in the world of officiating and just in the world in general, chaos is all around us. Uh, some people prefer to call it crisis or the big moment or whatever. Um, but chaos happens sometimes even when it's not a crisis moment. Sometimes just just things are chaotic and it seems like stuff's coming from every direction. And uh, Jeff, I believe that an uncommon communicator mm-hmm. is able to communicate through chaos. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to, to tick off a few things today that we think will help our listeners become better communicators during chaos. And uh, I, I thought I would start out with this, and I'm totally putting Jeff on the spot with this, which you all know Jeff loves. And so I'm going to ask the question, and he's going to wait for about 15 seconds before he responds. And instead of me filling that gap or cutting it shorter in the editing process, I'm just going to let it sit. So everybody get ready for this. All right. So I really don't know what the question is. You really don't know what this question is. Chat. All right. All right. So Jeff, give us an example from your officiating career of a time that you have had to communicate through chaos. So. Oh, it was shorter than 15 seconds. Good job, <laughs> yeah, Jeff. Yeah, yeah. Well, I purposely did that. Yeah, no. Some examples that I've had to communicate through chaos. Mm -hmm. The biggest one I can remember is where I did actually have a fight on the floor. Okay. So um, the only thing that was in our favor Mm -hmm. was it wasn't a packed house. Okay. So it was a, a lesser... Um, environment that way, but still very chaotic. Mm-hmm. Um, so much to where um, it sounded louder than it was. Mm-hmm. You know, because that's what happens, right? When it gets chaotic, you're like, "Oh my gosh, this is crazy." Um, but after I went back and looked at it on film, it was, you know, really. It actually even didn't even last as long as I thought it did. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and so that was the the. Uh, the biggest moment uh, there's there's some other big moments too right where you know cuz there's different 
chaos. Sure. I think there's different chaos. Not all where, chaos is negative. Right. Well, and I, I want to say it. I want to th- think of it as, is it, is it threatening chaos? Mm, okay. Is this is this chaos that's happening threatening the way that that the way I'm going to have to operate the rest of the day? Okay. Through the game, way I'm going to have to communicate, or is it a chaos that is just something that I kind of need to um, absorb? Mm-hmm. And still operate. Um, those are two, two different things. When you're when you're a little fearful during this chaos, it becomes more difficult to communicate. Mm-hmm. When you're like, okay, this is normal, you know, normal. If if we could say that, normal chaos, <laughs> you know, yeah. This is this is par for the course. It's a little bit easier to, to do those things. So, yeah, that was. I mean, that I don't know if that answers your question, but that was the biggest moment I think. And I'm sure as we go on, I'm probably going to think of another moment sure. and I'll make you backtrack and yeah. you'll have to edit it in and be a whole thing. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, the reason I, I brought that up and asked you specifically for that is because I think a lot of times as officials, that's what we think of. You know, we think of the moment where the big fight breaks out. We think of um, when the the arena is rocking and the band's going and everybody's screaming and coaches are yelling and players are shouting and all, you know, it's, it's just this chaos that mm-hmm. happens. Uh, but chaos can happen in lots of different ways and not just on a basketball court or a baseball field, uh, it can happen in lots of different places. In fact, uh, Jeff and I were on the phone the other day while Jeff was doing something that he had not done since last March. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Jeff was going to referee a basketball game. Mm-hmm. And uh, for those of you that have followed our podcast, you know, the last time that he did that was the same day that he got into his major car accident mm-hmm. uh, on the way home from that postseason tournament game uh, last year. And I found it interesting because the road that was going to bring him back from that game mm. that he went to go work was the exact same interstate that mm-hmm. he was on when he had that accident. Yeah. And probably coming back home at not too different a time. Nope. It was right around the same time. You know, mm-hmm. when that happened. And, uh, you know, the night that Jeff was in that accident, obviously that was, that was chaos mm-hmm. in lots of different ways. So when we talk about communicating through chaos today, yes, we're going to talk about it just like we do everything in life, leadership, and legacy. Uh, We're gonna talk about it through the lens of sports officiating. Mm -hmm. Uh, But just know that chaos is all around us in our home lives, in our work lives, in our school lives, definitely in our officiating lives. And we believe that an uncommon communicator can communicate through chaos. So Jeff, let's kick off with these here. Uh, we, We, put down five things that we think are really important when it comes to communicating through chaos. I'm going to throw them out to you, give you the opportunity to respond to them, and then maybe we can talk back just uh, back and forth just a little bit about it. Sounds them. good. But one of them that I think is really important is that our communication in chaos is not just verbal, right? Yeah. It's not just verbal. There are lots of other things that come into play when it comes to that kind of communication. Talk to us a little bit about that. So you talk about body language, right? Yeah. So it's definitely part of it. Sure. You know, the, 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 the body language either we give off or that we recognize during these chaotic times is important. Mm-hmm. Um, and if, if we're, if our body language, we may not be saying a word, but if we're like, you know, you know, scratching her head or, you know, you know, it's, you know, putting our hands on top of her head. And I, I, I have so many stories about that, but you know, we're just, we're not showing poise that makes, whether you're in chaos or not, it could very easily help put someone into a chaotic uh, environment. And it makes, it makes people feel uncomfortable. It makes people feel chaotic. It makes coaches get chaotic add to this chaos that is that is so much not needed because of our body language that we put it there um the other thing is too i think when we're inside this chaos um, we need to recognize other people's body language Mm -hmm. okay they're 
the, there's we talk about well they're at the cliff of the they're at the edge of the cliff we got to keep them from jumping which is all true but we need to recognize that from body language we need to recognize that things are not going well for this person so they're about to make things very chaotic for you without even saying a word so the quicker we can recognize those things even as much as if you're in this chaotic situation and you're having a discussion between your partners well, you've got to be able to read your partner's body language because you may be discussing, I'm, I'm you know, putting abstract numbers on this. You may be having a five-minute discussion on the floor about a certain situation. And if you're not doing that and reading body language at the same time, you could be missing some cues. Mm. And you could be not getting truthful answers because you're not paying attention to the body language. So. Eyes open, right? What are the, what's they, what do they say on Friday Night Lights? Uh, eyes, full our eyes open, full hearts, or whatever that is. So we need to have our eyes open as we're operating through chaos. And we just can't close our eyes and sing kumbaya, and I'm just going to say all the right words. Unless you know that people are showing body language that they're listening to you, and they're showing body language that they're poised and under control, and they're willing to accept this information that you're giving them, it's it's a lost Lost fact. No, you're you're absolutely correct. <clears throat> I believe that <clears throat> if if we don't allow that other communication, and I'm, I'm not just going to use body language, um, you know, we're going to recognize, you know, hand signals. We're going to recognize a, a glance or a look, mm. you know, that somebody might give. Not just okay, is somebody puffed up? Are they defensive? Mm. Are they receptive you know those are body language things that are, are often easy for us to see but i think there are other cues as well yeah eyebrows down so help us oh absolutely right eyebrows yep. up you know those kind of things we gotta recognize that go ahead i'm sorry yeah no you're you're exactly right and and that all is going to play a part now you know what we often think of in officiating when it comes to communication during chaos is the communication that happens immediately preceding the chaos okay. and the communication that happens immediately after the chaos. And so what I mean by that is there's let's, let's stay with basketball. For instance, I think the exact same thing happens on a, on a baseball field or a football field or any place else, but within basketball, we, we talk about reading the temperature of the room, mm -hmm. right? And you can feel when the room's starting to get hot mm -hmm. most of the time. Occasionally, chaos will just pop out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. That does happen, but it's not the norm. The more common way for this to happen is the, the room begins to get a little hotter and the room begins to get a little hotter and the conversations begin to get more elevated and all that kind of thing happens. And you've got a coach, for instance that's getting ready to cause chaos and what are some of the nonverbal cues that you might read from a coach that says okay this thing's really starting to elevate so the nonverbal cues yep. right yep. so we have obviously you know the the golden eagle stance right mm -hmm. standing up both arms out like i can't believe you're doing you know that's that's a clear sign that chaos is potentially getting ready to ensue. Mm -hmm. I think um, chaos is, is getting ready to ensue if you watch how fast a coach moves up and down the sideline. Mm. You know what I mean? Because that's just, they they start moving quicker, that means there's the pot's about to boil over. Yep. You know, they if they're walking, just, you know, shauntering down, they probably still have a little bit more control. Maybe the temperature's getting hot. But it's not over overbearing or boiling over. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, I think even some other body languages that we probably don't realize, but there are some verbal cues. We just know what they are. Is when we see coaches turning, talking to their other assistants. Mm -hmm. So when we see coaches doing that, turning and talking to their assistants, they might be talking about, you know, we need to have a different defense, whatever it is. But I think that's a slight signal that they're upset. Mm -hmm. So instead of them yelling at me or my crew, they're turning in and discussing or, you know, showing their anger towards their assistant. Mm -hmm. So they don't get in trouble 
and the assistants are you know they understand their job is to cooler heads prevail but that's a that's a cue that we just we often ignore because we just don't we don't know what they're saying Mm -hmm. but the body language should automatically go okay let's you know what's happening here um and you know i think we need to operate in confidence we definitely need to do that but when we see some of these these body languages I think you, everyone needs to be humble enough to go, what did I, you know, what's going on? I feel like something's brewing. Is there some plays that I'm missing or that we are missing that is causing this to happen? So um, that that's important. Mm-hmm. And if you can't be humble enough to realize whether they're right or wrong doesn't make a difference, you at least be able to need to be able to recognize that there is, there's some temperature in the boiling water, and it's not boiling over, but we need to at least somehow turn the heat down before it does start boiling over. And we do that all the time, right? We we wait till it boils over, and we go, what happened? Or what, you know, I can't believe they lost their cool. Or, well, that, that started somewhere. Mm-hmm. It may be the difference of you just left it at four, and then you turn it to five, then you turn it to six. And then it may be the difference of you had it at two and somebody put it at 10. Yeah. So. Well, and I think there are other visual cues that we can begin to pick up on, especially with coaches. Um, But I I think we can also find it um, table crews. All of a sudden things can start to to come unglued there. We can see things happening with them. I think we can see it with um, with players or or other partners, okay? The hands going up in the air, not necessarily like in an emphatic, you idiot, you got it wrong way, but in like, I don't understand. Mm -hmm. Anytime we see people giving off visual cues that they don't understand what's going on, we need to understand that chaos is getting ready to take place. Mm -hmm. Because when people don't understand, they don't know how to respond. Mm -hmm. I've seen simple, basic, uh, a crew got together to fix a clock situation and it ended up in a technical foul to a coach and then a coach disqualification hmm. because the coach thought they were talking about her player <laughs> from from the foul that had happened immediately preceding this clock thing that they're trying to figure out. Hmm. Then she feels like they wouldn't communicate with her hmm. about the issue that they were discussing. Hmm. They weren't willing to discuss it with her because they weren't talking about the thing she thought they were talking about. She's standing there with her hands up in the air mm-hmm. going, can somebody help me here? Mm-hmm. They turn and whack her with technical foul because she's got her hands up in the air in this demonstrative position. Sure. Then she explodes at that and second technical and she's gone. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> All because... They didn't pick up on a nonverbal cue of, hey, what's happening? Mm-hmm. Whereas if they just roll quickly would have said, hey, we're talking about a clock issue. I'll come right over in just a second yeah. and talk to you. But just picking up on that nonverbal cue could have totally saved the chaos. It was not a chaos yet. Mm-hmm. It was working there. Mm-hmm. This was preceding the chaos. Yeah. But because they didn't pick up on the nonverbal cue, it got to the chaos real quick. Sure. Yeah, that's a really good point. And, you know, you're the... You talk about this coach, but I think you start talking about the the table crew too. One of the things I try to pick up every game that I work, whether I'm the crew chief or not, you know, I'm always trying to pick up cues from body language. Oh, yeah. But one of the big body languages is when I come out at halftime, if I've got a scorer that's walking up and down the table and not saying a word, but you know, mm-hmm. you can bend over looking at people, something's wrong. Yeah. Right? That's a body language like you keep an eye on them, you know, when it time becomes appropriate, you go over and say, Hey, you know, what's happening mm-hmm. because that way you're at least on cue. And is there something you can do to help to keep from chaos breaking out? Because yeah. it could be something simple as I just need to try and find the starters. Yeah. They haven't told me their starters for a second half and it's 30 seconds to go and they're trying to get a hold of people and maybe I can help. You know what I mean? So that way, if I, if we get that solved between before the last 30 seconds, I don't have to worry of now a coach got to play the person that finished the first half who yep. has three fouls, and now they're going to pick up their fourth in the first two minutes. Yep. So those are things that we need to pick up on. You yeah. know, those are – you see you see a, a shot clock operator, head gone underneath the table, there's something wrong. Yeah. 
that's body language you need to pick up on. Oh, yeah. You know, instead of just ignoring it, let's stop the game. What's going on? How can we help? Yep. So. Now, this this next point, you know, first the first thing for an uncommon communicator to communicate through chaos is that, you know, it's not just verbal communication. This next one is is hand in hand with it. And it's that we have to be able to take in all of the information. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We have to be able to take in all of it. Now, sometimes that means for us to take in the information, we have to shut up and listen. <laughs> yeah. Or we have to stop and look. You know, all the information is where's the clock at? How many fouls are on the board? What's the possession arrow? Um, do I have subs at the table? Do I have a clock operator that's gone MIA? Mm-hmm. Do I have an assistant coach that's standing down the inline somewhere instead of where they're supposed to be? Right. I mean, all of these things, and that's nothing to do with verbal, mm-hmm. right? But it's not even just body language either. It's just all of the information that is there. You know, I know you've said so many times uh, you call a foul on a on a ball handler and maybe somebody's got a question about was that a shooting foul or not well mm-hmm. you'll just go report it mm-hmm. you'll turn around everybody's lined up well then yeah they knew it was shooting foul okay we're gonna shoot two mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. that's that's taking in all of the information what what did the players feel like it was yeah they typically have a pretty good feel for what the game is yep right mm-hmm. well the same thing happens when it comes to communicating during chaos when when I try to come together with my crew and make a decision about something and I don't have all the information, I am setting my crew up for failure. Could be that a conversation needs to happen with the scorer. Could be a conversation needs to happen with play-by-play. Could be a question needs to be asked of a coach. Mm-hmm. There are so many different pieces there, but we've got to be able to take in all of that information yeah, I know you've seen it, Jeff. I've definitely seen it in, in my short time in the game. Why is it that you think sometimes crews move past all the, you know, sometimes important pieces because they're so worried about talking about this one or two things that happened? Well, yeah, I think um, ultimately they're so in tune on fixing the problem to take away chaos mm-hmm. that they forget about their surroundings. Mm. And, you know, some of the things like when, you know, when I have situations to where it starts to get chaotic or chaos is, as ensued. And so I'm discussing with my partner and my partner's like, we'll just say a potential intentional foul, right? Mm-hmm. An intentional foul can be a little chaotic at sometimes, sure. right? And my partner is trying, you know, one one discuss with me about this, right? And I can see the anxiety in their in their body language. Yeah. Well, guess what I do? I walk slower. Mm-hmm. Listen, I am going to take a few extra steps to get over to you, so you can find a way to get to your bearings. If I go sprinting over, all that does is add to the chaos. Yep. Just amped it up. Here we go, another person. That's they're even riled up about it, right? You know. And then so when I get over there, and then we we get to the you know the the possible intentional file will say, you know, I'll say, well, what resources do we have that we can use? Questions like that, instead of going, okay, well, we can go to the model, let's go fix it. You know, let's go, let's go check it out. What resources, what resources do we have? And so, you know, well, let's ask, you know, our third and, you know, mm-hmm. is everybody okay with going to the monitor? Are you okay with that? What are we going to be looking for? All these things that just takes away from the chaos. Sometimes chaos it gets times 10 because one person adds one thing to it. Yep. It, it doesn't have to be 10 other things. Mm-hmm. It could just be one person adding one thing, whether it's your partner, a coach, a fan, or anything, and that chaos becomes times 10. And so we have to find a way. To, as us as officials or you know, as, as workmates, that should be like our number one goal. Whatever we do, don't add to the chaos because it's already difficult at a time. And let me say this. In order to take in all the information, sometimes we have to hunt for it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sometimes it's not just obvious. Yeah. So what I mean by that is there may be a time in order for me to take in the information, I have to go to someone and ask for it. Mm-hmm. Play by play, a coach, clock operator, 
official score, whatever that means. I, I may need to go to them to get that information. I think a lot of times as officials, that's a step we're willing to take. We're, we're willing to go get that. I think we struggle more when it comes to asking our crewmates for information because we get this idea, well, if they had information, they should tell me. How many times have we heard, don't bring your information to the locker room. Mm -hmm. It does me no good there. Sure. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't care how many times we say that in the pregame. There are some of our crewmates that when they get into a chaos moment or a crisis mode, they are going to shut down. Mm -hmm. I'm very fortunate um, in my life, whether it's because I've been around enough crisis moments because of some elements of my day job and things like that. um, For the most part, I handle a, a, a crisis or chaos pretty well. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm pretty calm and collected in those kinds of moments. Um, not because I've done anything good to get that way. That's just part of my makeup. That's part of who I am. Well, I think when you have to deal with chaos and chaotic times, you become a little bit more, um, I won't say used to it, but it, it's become more of a normal for you. I've, I've exercised those muscles. Yeah. You know, for lack of a better right. term. Mm-hmm. You know, I've, yeah. I've exercised those muscles. Mm-hmm. There are other people that have not had the opportunity to exercise those muscles. Mm-hmm. And so they may have the exact piece of information you need, but they are never going to offer it until you ask for it. Yeah. And so I don't care if you're a crew chief, you won, you two. If you are the person on that crew that you know is able to handle that chaos moment the best, you need to find a way without usurping authority but you need to find a way to help get all of the information necessary. Yeah. Um, I brought up our last podcast that was part of a, a potential fight situation at a game that I was at. And I was the U2 on the game. But when I took in the nonverbal cues <laughs> right. that started all that, I said, okay, I'm not the one to make the ultimate decision. I'm not the one that's going to go to the table with stuff or whatever. But I am going to help my crew right now by being good in a moment of crisis Mm -hmm. and helping pull it, you know, asking the right questions of my partners so that then they are the ones giving the information and can get to the conclusions that they need to get to. Right. That's part of my job as a good crewmate. And so getting all of the information, taking it all in is not just looking around to see what's there or waiting for somebody to tell me. It's knowing what information I'm looking for and then finding the best way to get it. Yeah. And, you know, when we, when we try and, you know, extract this information from our partners, we have to, because the reason they're not just shoving it out there for us, because they're, they're anxious, they're self-conscious that it may be incorrect. Mm -hmm. You know, I may give somebody some bad information. I'm afraid that I, you know, my eyes were playing tricks on me and I really didn't see it. You know, all these scenarios. So as the person who, you know, who is in charge of this conversation or trying to get information out, you know, you have to make them basically make, make them feel all warm and fuzzy. So they will say, Oh, it's okay. Lay down on the couch. Tell me exactly what you feel. And they'll, they'll say it out. And then you can decipher from there. Yeah. You know, you can ask a few more questions like, you know, why, why do you think we need so and so? 11 came off the bench. Well, because I saw the coach holding them back. Oh, well, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I'm good with that. You know, those kind of things. But they're, no matter what you do, no matter what question you ask, no matter how many different questions you ask, if they don't feel comfortable giving you that information, it's not coming. Yeah. And, you know, you've said multiple times that you can't go wrong with honesty. That's right. Right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes people are giving an answer because they feel like it's expected of them. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Yeah. Right. Did you, 
did 11 come off the bench? Mm-hmm. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah, they did. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right? Whereas if you take that time and you talk through and you're able to allow them that space for honesty, mm-hmm. hey, you know what? 11 might have come off the bench, but I can't be 100% certain. Yeah. Oh, man, that's a whole lot better. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Or then, did we did we miss something with eleven? Yeah. Then disqualifying <laughs> yeah. eleven when it was number one. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. I'd rather let eleven. I'd rather let one skate when they shouldn't have mm-hmm. than penalize. All 11. of a sudden, we're penalizing eleven for something they didn't do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's where that honesty is is huge. Now mm-hmm. these next two kind of go hand in hand together, but I would I'd like to walk one before we get to the next. Um. Whenever we're communicating in moments of crisis and chaos, mm-hmm. we have to choose our words intentionally. Mm-hmm. Now, we always need to be intentional about the way we communicate. But in the moment of chaos, it becomes magnified. Yeah. Our words are so, so, so important. Um, you've talked multiple times about rule book language, right? Mm-hmm. Rule book language becomes really important in a moment of chaos. What are, what are other ways that the words we use are important in those chaos moments? Well, so I think the, the biggest thing we need to understand about, you know, being intentional is you have to be okay with the silence. Mm-hmm. So when we know we, we need to be really intentional with our words, so don't just, you know, talk to talk mm-hmm. and speak words to speak words in order for you to get to the words you want to say. Because mm. that, that pause, when you get your words figured out and how exactly you want to articulate it, that's going to be received so much better. And guess what else? Well, you're sitting there you know, making sure you grab the proper words and the right rule book language. Your partners or your the coach or the table could be doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I know many people that are just, they're unsatisfied with dead air. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they are. And it, it can be awkward. It can feel very uncomfortable. And it can feel unsettling knowing that the, the ceiling's coming down and the walls are crushing in on you. And, you know, your leader, whoever that is, a person who's making this final decision, is not saying anything yet. Mm-hmm. That's That can be daunting. <laughs> but when we pick, when we do speak and we do say those those intentional words, they have, they're very impactful, as you say. So we want to have intentional words through the time of space in order to think of those intentional words and then use them. But And, and here's a practical way we can go about doing that that I think is really helpful that I lucked into this summer uh, over the course of a, of a baseball game where we had a kind of a, a big blow up and everything happened. And I'm together with my crew. And this is what I did. I said, okay. We're getting ready to go do this. You're going to go over here. You're going to watch players. So-and-so and and I are going to go talk to this coach first. Then we're going to go talk to that coach. It was a situation where we couldn't bring the coaches together, right? So this is what we're going to do. I said, this is what I'm going to say. Does this sound right? Mm. And then I said it to him. And one of the guys on that crew was brave enough to say, "I I wouldn't use that word. Okay, why? I think that has the potential to open up open up a door for him to say something about. Okay. Okay, nice. good. Can I use this word instead? Absolutely, that makes sense. Yeah. So because I had taken an extra 15 seconds mm-hmm. to tell my crew what I was going to say, what I did was I now made it a crew communication instead of a me communication. Mm-hmm. I gave them the opportunity to give input into what I was saying. So now it wasn't just me choosing my words intentionally. It was our crew choosing our words intentionally. Yeah, that's really good. You know, and I think I've, I've heard, I've heard especially like basketball crews after a, a monitor review, mm-hmm. they'll say, okay, we're going to get the coaches together and we're going to tell them what we saw. But they don't necessarily say, this is what we're going to say we saw. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. And I thought, you know what? Just taking that extra three or four seconds. Mm-hmm. This is what I'm going to tell them. Are we all on the same page? Yep. Man, not not only does that give me the chance to practice what I'm going to say, to be intentional about it, but it creates so much more crewness mm-hmm. when we do that. They all feel like they're they're they all feel like they're weighing in on it. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Hey, that was my word. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? So they, they're invested in how you say it and what you say. And, so. and even if they don't add anything to it, even yeah. if they just agree, now when they're telling the story, this is what we decided to tell. Mm-hmm. Because that's what happened. It's yep. what we decided as a crew. Now, let's say that it's it's the U2 that's going to stay out there and watch watch teams while the U1 and the crew chief are the ones going over and talking to the coaches. Because mm-hmm. that happens a lot. Sure. Well, what's that mean? That means that you too doesn't get to be a part of those coach communications very often, mm-hmm. right? But now you just gave that you too the opportunity to know how that communication should happen. Mm-hmm. They didn't get to hear it while it was being told to the coaches, but they did get to hear it. So now, you know, when they're they're at a Division three game where they're the crew chief, mm-hmm. well, now all of a sudden they're better at the next time they have to go do coach communication because they heard you intentionally choose your words. Right. Yeah. I think that's big. Now, the one that that goes hand in hand with, though, is, and this one may be the toughest part of everything we're going to talk about today. Mm-hmm. I we, We've already said that, you know, uncommon communication is not just verbal. Uncommon communication has to take in all of the information. Uncommon communication has to choose our words intentionally. But uncommon communication finds a way to be heard. (laughs) It is not the listener's responsibility to hear me. It is the communicator's job to be heard. What, What does that look like for you, Jeff? Well, I think when we're doing this, all four of those things that you just mentioned or three or whatever that was, all those are coming into play as I'm making sure that I'm heard. If I'm speaking, if I'm speaking, I need to be reading body language as I'm speaking. As I'm speaking, I need to be recognizing uh, someone uh, is giving some feedback as I'm speaking. Maybe maybe I finished a thought and then they, they... they plug back into it, all those things. And then as if I'm saying one other thing and then maybe I'm not thorough, someone speaks back and says, hey, listen, what about step five and six in this, in this situation? That's what you need to, you need to have a mental checklist of things during chaos, right? It'd be great if we could do it all the time, but you know, mm-hmm. it's pretty difficult to have that kind of communication with a grocery store clerk. Sure. <laughs> but during that chaos, when you can see that, hey, I've when I, when I'm speaking, all three of these things are getting checked off. People are feeding back into me. People have good body language or you know bad body language, whatever. It is. So I know whether my my message is being heard or not. And when I say, okay, now you one, what are we going to do? And they can give it back and go, okay, this is what you just explained to me. This is how I heard it, and that sounds right to everyone. That's how you know your communication has hit the bullet, uh, hit the the dartboard. It hit the bullseye where it where it's important is it's okay that we spend those back and forths extending that conversation from a 60 second conversation to a three minute conversation to make sure we get in the bullseye mm-hmm. that's where a lot of a lot of it gets lost we oh we check these boxes you real quick check them and we didn't hear what someone else said back, and then meanwhile we've 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 lost it all. So, you know, I've said this phrase many many times, and I'd much rather take you know 30, 30 extra seconds or sixty extra seconds during communication with my crew than be on the phone for two hours with my coordinator after the game. Mm, so true. So, so let's let's take that time, or or even even more direct to the game. I'd rather take an extra 60 seconds communicating with the coach now than have to take five minutes to deal with a blow up later. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, like your situation you talked about with, you know, the coach is up excited. Mm-hmm. If, if, if someone could have took 30 seconds just to recognize that there's a situation over here, mm-hmm. the water is hot. Yeah. Let's turn the heat down and just talk to them for a second to let them, to reassure them we're going to explain everything we can as soon as we yeah. get it squared away. Let us get it squared away first before trying to you know tell you mm-hmm. what's happening. I don't want to give you bad information. So those are, we just need to really, really be cognizant of making sure that we got good body language back to us as we're as we're speaking, asking for feedback on what we're talking about, 
um, and you know, give very, very open-end questions. We do not need yes or no questions. We, we, um, what was the? I forget, I forget what you said, but you know, the last thing we want to say is when you talk about eleven coming off the bench, mm-hmm. we don't want to say as as the leader in that communication uh, crew, we're kicking out eleven, right? For coming off the bench, well, they're gonna, that's all they're going to say is yes. Right. We have to let them give that input that way because even though you're still asking the question and you would still accept, but you're making it so much more difficult. Yep. So the way we phrase those questions, the way we we phrase those those concerns are are vital in making chaos become less. Yeah. One of the greatest examples that I have for this in in real world yeah. is is my dear wife. Uh, so Megan uh, had an injury uh, when she was playing basketball, and because of that injury, her voice sounds louder in her head hmm. than it really is. So because of that, her typical speaking voice is fairly quiet. Okay, that combined with my hearing with just the frequency with at, at the, the pitch of where she speaks. Yeah. A lot of times in just regular conversation, I have a very hard time distinguishing what she's saying to me. Mm. I'm not talking about a husband's selective hearing. Okay. <laughs> That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about like real actual, like <laughs> she doesn't want to be real loud when she's in a professional setting and all she, mm-hmm. she does that really well, but just every day, like she you know, it sounds like she's yelling in her head and who wants to sound like they're yelling in yeah. her head. Right. Right. So she does that. And so there are multiple times where I'll ask her two or three times, okay, say that again so I can make sure I heard and understand you. And I know it has to be super frustrating to her when I do that, but she's always incredibly kind and gracious and does that and makes sure that I can hear. That's me as the hearer taking it on me to make sure that I hear. What's more impressive is when... I'm not totally cued into what's going on. She says something to me and I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh. But she can tell by the look on my face mm-hmm. that uh-huh, uh-huh wasn't really yes. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And so then she'll stop and she'll turn and she'll make sure I can see her, you know, and she'll communicate to me. Because ultimately, if she wants me to have the information she was given, giving to me, it's on her to make sure that I hear her, mm-hmm. right? It's not on the hearer, it's on the communicator. And I just think there are there are too many times when we as officials, just like, well, we gave them the information. Yeah, I told them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I told them why I didn't call that foul. Yeah. Well, no, you <laughs> gave an answer that they didn't get, they yeah. didn't understand, yep. whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And so we have to take it on ourselves. Now this this last part, you know, we've we've said that. Well, I, I oh, wanna, go ahead. Sorry, yeah, I want to say one thing that I like to the phrase because you. What was your phrase that you used with your wife? Um, tell me that again, so I understand, yeah. right? And I use the phrase, "Walk me through what you mean," because mm-hmm. I heard it. Yeah, but I'm not really grasping. You know, as we used to say when my kids were little, I'm not really uh, smelling what you're stepping in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so. Walk me through what you're trying to say again, because I want to I want to get more detail and walk me through how that works. Yeah, that helps for them to. I think it it engages the speaker to go. Hmm, maybe I can be a little bit more in detail. Yeah, you know, maybe there's some more information here that that the listener needs for them to buy into what I'm saying. So yeah, and you know, a lot of times we're working in environments where. It may be an active listener, mm-hmm. but just because of noise and everything else, they just can't hear. Yeah. It's funny. There is one gym that I work in almost every year. It's in Milwaukee. So if anybody works Division Three basketball in Milwaukee, you'll probably absolutely know the place I'm talking about. It only has stands on one side of the gym. The scores table is so close to the court on the side where the teams sit that you feel like you're going to run into the corner of it every time you run up and down the court. The players can't stick their legs out without having their heels on the floor. It is tight, and it is a concrete box. Mm. It is the most difficult gym for me to hear in any place that I work. And there's typically never more than 40 or 50 fans there. Mm. (laughs) 
Okay, so it's not like it's because there's 5,000 people screaming. Yeah. It's just the acoustics of that room. It just rings and it's muffled mm. and it's loud and it's just, ugh, it's, it's weird all at once. And so we need to understand when we're communicating with those people that it's not that they're trying not to listen. Yeah. Sometimes it's just hard. Mm-hmm. How many times have we as officials used that as the excuse? They're like, well, I was, t- I was calling timeout for the last 10 seconds. Mm-hmm. Coach, I'm so sorry. In this gym, I, I couldn't hear you. You, mm-hmm. you were behind me. I, didn't, well, I, was, I was six feet behind you yelling. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm sorry, coach. Mm-hmm. I didn't hear you. Yeah. You know, again, that's where we have to help that person be able to hear what we're trying to communicate. Now, through all these things we've talked about, you know, the, the nonverbal communication we talked about, uh, making sure we have all of our information, uh, making sure we choose our words intentionally, making sure that other people are hearing what we're communicating. Um, as Jeff and I were prepping for this, there's, there's a concept, and um, I, I like this phrase. We need to learn how to curate the conversation. Mm-hmm. Now, curating... Um, I, I come to that from the from the art world. Okay, if I were going to curate an art collection, I am choosing bits and pieces out of that collection, and I'm putting them together in a display. And I'm going to choose which piece is right in front where you first come in, and I'm going to choose how one piece takes you to the next one, to the next one, to the next one. There's some people that they'll curate a, a music playlist. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, they're going to go on a road trip and they're going to curate a music playlist. And they know that about halfway through the trip, they're all going to start to get tired. So they got the the big, you know, let's yeah. sing along party <laughs> rock anthems, you know, yeah, at right. that point. And then there's going to be a time when the sun's going down and, you know, they got kind of the Simon and Garfunkel playing then. Mm-hmm. And then late at night, they need something, you know, whatever. Right. They're, yeah. they're being very intentional with how they curate that playlist so that it fits the trip they're going to take mm-hmm. curate that art. So it fits the experience they want people to have when they walk into the gallery. When we curate a conversation, what we're doing is we're taking all those different elements and we are, we are then crafting this conversation that gets us to our desired outcome. Mm-hmm. So, I'm pulling a piece from one crew member. I'm pulling another piece from another crew member. I'm using the information from the clock. I'm communicating with the official score. I'm listening to what the mm-hmm. coach is saying out of this year. But mm-hmm. but somebody has to curate the conversation. Yeah. So talk to me a little bit when let's just start out from from a crew chief perspective. Okay? When when you're a crew chief and you've got this chaos moment, how do you approach curating that conversation to get us to where we need to go. Yeah. Um, I think the first thing I got to do as, as a crew chief is limit the distractions. So I have to get all distractions, you know, uh, so that we are not faced with any other chaos. Mm-hmm. That's getting players to benches, getting everyone quiet, you know, doing those things. You know, putting ourselves uh, for at a at a good enough distance from a coach or from a bench, so we're not distracted by those things. Um, that's the most important thing to do is limit distractions. Because so, once we limit distractions, now we can start facing the, you know, the the main problem, right? And then we, I think we need. I think we. It's important if we want to get to our desired outcome, we got to decide why we're at this conversation. Yeah. What puts us here? And that is the potential intentional foul or the potential correctable error, whatever it is. So why are we here? Okay, so now we know our reason we're here. You know, then we can take our steps to get to our desired income. We can follow the the guidelines that the NCAA has given us to make sure we allow for these proper rules. Um, but one of the phrases that I use in any chaotic situation whether it's a one in chaotic chaotic or 10 in chaos is everyone comfortable with our decision because that's the, that's like one of the last things or you know or, you know Chad are you comfortable with us administering and offsetting you know fouls you know equal gravity 
Yes. Okay. You know, Bill, are you are you comfortable with it? Yes. Then I know that we've all had our chance to weigh in. But that's like one of the last things. And, you know, as you say, this is what I'm going to say. Are, is everyone comfortable with me saying these these seven words? No, I'm not. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm 100% not okay with it. Strong language like that can help us get to the desired outcome. So I know we said that we're going to talk about it from a crew chief standpoint, but I think what's so important, and you'll probably touch on it, but just because you're not in a not in that crew chief on that game, you are a crew chief somewhere. Yeah. You are. And just because we've got these crew chief U1, U2 scenarios doesn't mean that you can't bring your crew chief mentality into the game. Even as all the way down on the crew chief on the freshman AB game this Saturday. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, there, then you got, you you know what it's like. Yep. You're the crew chief. So and when you walk out in the Florida, Illinois State, Bradley game and chaos ensues, you you know, you know what crew chief is. Don't just go, well, hey, I'm just here as the employee right now. Yeah. <laughs> that's well, and, and that's that's the, the direction that I wanted to come because, Sorry. you know, in Jeff, you, you know, a vast majority, not every game that Jeff works is he a crew chief. Yeah. But in a lot of games that he works, he's a crew chief. Um, and I know that he brings this mentality regardless of the position that he is on the crew. But one of the things that I've learned in those situations where I am not the crew chief is that I need to have the same confidence to make sure that we curate that conversation the way it needs to happen. But the way in which I do it is going to look different. Hmm. So what I mean by that is let's say I have a crew chief that I'm concerned is taking us to the wrong place. Okay. Now I'm not going to say you're getting it wrong. (laughs) That's, that's not going to help us as a crew. Mm-hmm. That's not going to help us communicate in chaos. Because now everybody's going to get defensive and shut down. Sure. We're, we're not going to move forward. I may ask a question similar to what you were talking about in the conversation earlier. Say, can you help me understand how we got there? Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Um, have we considered how that affects this? Talking about something else, mm-hmm. you know? So, like, again, uh, I brought up before the, uh, the the contact fouls that we had, whether it's technical versus intentional. If I just looked and said, well, no, 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 it's not technical foul. Mm-hmm. Well, do you think they're going to have any sort of productive conversation with me afterwards? <laughs> right, you idiot. Right, yeah. No, because I came <laughs> in and I was the jerk, mm-hmm. right? Okay, help me understand. Do we have conduct or do we have contact? Mm-hmm. Okay, that's a clarifying question. Yep. It's not just clarifying for me, Right. Mm -hmm. It's now clarifying for them as well. Now, if we get to the end of the conversation and with questions, I have not been able to curate that conversation to get us to the right place. And I'm 100 percent certain that we're going the wrong place. Then I've got to have the courage to stand up and say it directly. Yeah. I've got to say, I do not agree with what we're getting ready to do. And here are the reasons why. Now. If I clearly communicate that and the crew chief decides to go another direction, that's out of my hands. Now, again, and just like we talked about a minute ago, it's my responsibility to get them to hear. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. I can't pass that buck. But when I have done everything within my power and that person, for whatever reason, has said, nope, I'm doing it this way. Then all I can do at that point is voice my objection in the most professional way possible Mm -hmm. and then move on. Yeah. Cause if I don't move on, it's going to affect the rest of the game. I'm even going to say, cause this, this is a story that actually happened to me and I've never seen it done before, except for this one time. And I think it was, it was pretty valuable. This was just a, a communication between a coach and an official about the way a rule was adjudicated. What, you know, not super chaotic, but, you know, it was – they just didn't understand, right? And they, they were upset. They didn't understand. This official was trying to explain to the coach, trying to explain to the coach, trying to explain to the coach. We were shooting the free throws or whatever we were doing in this in this non-clock running time. All of a sudden, this official blows a whistle or whatever, says, hey, Jeff, can you come over and, you know, help explain the rule to him, to this coach? Can you help me? 
and and that crew chief left. She, you know, they were the crew chief, and they said, I, "I've tried to explain it to them. They're not understanding it. I, I've done the best I can do. Can you try? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean?" And I went over and tried, and I'm not, I have no idea if it was the problem was resolved or not. But w- what a great concept, right? How about how about this? I've never been part of this, but I would love to 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 be part of it. As we're as that the crew chief is is curating the conversation, and you know now this crew chief is like you know feeling overwhelmed, you know just not feeling good about it, and say you know what. Chad, can you take over this conversation? Because I just can't think straight right now. I need to think, can you take over this conversation? What an idea mm-hmm. of where we might be. Yeah. You know? Or, you know, Chad, I'm just not very good at understanding correctable error. So I'm going to let you take the lead on this one because I feel like you know it better than I do. Mm-hmm. What, a, what a concept. Absolutely. But instead, we're prideful. Mm-hmm. And we're like, I'm the crew chief. We're going to do it my way or the highway. And uh, this coach is going to listen to what I have to say instead of because the desired result is to do it correctly and get to yep. the proper uh, outcome. If that's our desired result, it shouldn't make a difference whether I, crew chief, Jeff Cross, can explain it to a coach or Chad Ozy can. Yeah. I mean, what a concept. You know, we, we joke around. We say, you know, there are rule book officials, right? There are those officials that you know are going to know the rules backwards, mm-hmm. forward, sideways. And so if you get into a jam, who, whose voice are you listening to regardless of whether there are you one or you two? Mm-hmm. You're listening to that one that you know knows the rule book backwards, forwards, and sideways. That's if right. you have a great communicator on your crew, you would be foolish not to use their ability. Yep. That's like a basketball team having a seven-foot center mm-hmm. and never feeding them the ball yeah, in the post. We're not going to get it to them. We're going to keep them on the bench. <laughs> just, that's just so silly, yeah. right? Now, that doesn't mean that other people on the crew can't communicate. Yeah. But let's use their input. Mm-hmm. Maybe even if they're not the one to go talk to the coach, hey, Jeff, this is what I'm thinking of saying. Does that sound good to you? Yeah. Right, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going to use Jeff's expertise mm-hmm. as a coach communicator. Yeah. Hey, you know what? Um, you ought to say this because that's probably something they're listening for. Mm-hmm. Awesome, I can use that phrase. Yep. Whatever. Right. You know, those are those are things that we can do. Let's use those resources that we have at our disposal. Or how about this? Listen, uh, I know I'm the crew chief today, Jeff, but you're clearly a veteran in the league, and both these coaches have had you a hundred times. Would you mind, you know, tell them what's going on? Oh yeah. That's why not do that. Yep. You know, or hey, listen, I'm I'm just not very good at explaining this rule, so I'm going to have you do it, Jeff, if yep. you're comfortable with that. And you know, that that does a couple things, right? It builds confidence within your crewmates. Mm-hmm. You're like, wow, you know, this 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 official is not very prideful, and they're they're okay as long as we get the desired outcome. Yeah. And the desired outcome is to have everyone feel warm and fuzzy. You know yep. what I mean? And and we we adjudicate the rules correctly, then. If, if it means me sending a donkey up there, that's what I'm going to do, mm-hmm. you know? And that's when he sends me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come on, go get him. <laughs> so I, I think um, those are uncommon things. Yeah. Those are uncommon things that, you know, we use the word uncommon, but I, I wish they were more common. Oh, yeah. I wish they were, and, you know, we're doing But they're not, and yeah. that's, why, that's why they're uncommon. You know, things that to some of us might seem like common sense just aren't. Mm-hmm. You know, we've we've said in the podcast before that it seems like common sense has gone out the window in the vast majority of our culture. Sure. And I believe that these things have gone out the window not just in in game communication, right? Yeah. yeah. They've gone out the window when we have a crisis with our kids at school. You know, mm. when when our our child is struggling in a class and we're not sure they're going to pass. And we can't figure out how to communicate with a teacher or an administrator or whatever, rather than just pointing fingers and laying blame. Say you should be fired, right? Yeah, you mm-hmm. know, um, we see the same thing happen when we're dealing with law enforcement. We see the same thing happen when we get bad service at a restaurant or yeah. whatever it might be. I mean, things that you know, in the moment, feel like chaos. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. How do we communicate our way through it? Or like on I eighty coming home from a game where yeah. you end up in a massive wreck with mm-hmm. serious injuries to mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff, and can I communicate in a way that's going to get me through to the other side of this, mm-hmm. or am I going to have a high speed 
come apart yeah. and things be a whole lot worse. Yeah. So I, I think that's a huge deal. And again, you know, we, we talk about communication all the time on this podcast, even on episodes where we're not talking about communication. Yeah. We talk about communication. Right. And yet it's important for us to take moments like this because sometimes you may have heard something today. You'd be like, well, Jeff and Chad have talked about things like that before. You know what? You're probably right. Mm-hmm. Sometimes hearing something in just a slightly different way helps a light bulb go off. Sure. And so my hope is, is that you're walking through this season as you're preparing for your next baseball season, whatever it is that you're at, as you're just preparing for work tomorrow. <laughs> right. I'm hoping that something small that was said today got a little light bulb to go off in your brain. And maybe it was a hundred water and maybe <laughs> it was a five water. Yeah. I don't know, you know, but hopefully there was enough of a spark there that got you pointed in the right direction uh, of knowing that when we communicate, we absolutely have to take in all those nonverbal cues. We have to take in all the information. We have to choose our words intentionally. Mm. Our words matter. Yep. We have to absolutely find a way to be heard. It's mm. not their responsibility to hear me. It's my responsibility to be heard. And then we have to curate those conversations so that we get everybody on the same page together, moving in the right direction. Yep. And you do that as a communicator, I guarantee you will be uncommon. Mm -hmm. Uncommon and looked at differently. And um, I believe you'll even get a little addicted to it. Sure. You know what I mean? You find some success and some good communication skills and, and you find your way into a difficult situation in a basketball game or wherever that might be. And you come out of the other end feeling pretty good because you had some good communication skills, you will want to be better at it. And it will take you uh, leaps and bounds further than anyone else. Absolutely. Uh, this has been another episode of the Uncommon Drive Podcast. You can reach us at UncommonDrivePodcast at gmail.com. Send us your questions, comments, leave us a rating, leave us a review. Uh, we would love to hear from you as we attempt to make a difference in your life as we look at life, leadership, and legacy through the lens of sports officiating. See y'all soon. See you soon. Thanks for listening to the Uncommon Drive Podcast. Be sure to check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And be sure to leave us a five-star rating. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.